Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to the basement, everybody. It's good to see you. I, if you're watching on YouTube, I love it. If you're listening, great. But you're missing all the eye candy. These are all my friends from 1990, 1991. This is Frank Dukes, and I am Kyle Brandt. This is literally my basement. The garage is that way. The bar is that way. I am in the basement hanging out with you. And so much to talk about today. We're going to do takes on takes. That's where we round up the spiciest opinions around sports media, and I judge them with a number. Could be a one. Could be a ten. Uh, we have all kinds of things to talk about, including, did you see that lady throwing up at the Bengals game? It's a couple of days ago now, but uh, we asked the question, your most disgusting stadium experience. Man, did you come with the answers. We love it. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to talk about Mahomes. I'm going to talk about the Patriots. And um, something pretty special, the family confessionalist today. That is when you, a uh, mother, a father, a son, a daughter, grandfather, aunt, uncle, whatever it may be, comes in here and purges the terrible things you have done in the family setting probably as a spouse or as a parent, but we gave out the voicemail number and you guys called and you left all kinds of stuff, a great family confessionals, some terrible stuff too that's off color, but we expect that. Uh, in the meantime, um, I have to tell a quick story. I was on Jeopardy last night. That Jeopardy, Ken Jennings, of course, the Alex Trebek Institution. I wasn't a contestant, of course not, but uh, the Good Morning Football program and the NFL Network, we got to do a category. You watch Jeopardy probably, or your parents do, or you have at some point. And sometimes they'll just go, each one is a video clue, and it was myself and, and all my castmates at Good Morning Football, and we got to do a clue and a category, and nothing is more relatable as an American who watches TV than Jeopardy. So first of all, here's the clip. This is Jeopardy, and then I'm going to tell the story, the sort of origin story behind the music that goes into being on Jeopardy. Check this out. It's pretty cool. I'm Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network's Good Morning Football. We'll look back on week one of the NFL season. NFL opening weekend 600. Here's Kyle Brandt. Wes Welker and Demarius Thomas each caught two scores as part of this quarterback's monster seven-touchdown day against the Ravens in the 2013 opener. April. Who is Tom Brady? No. Justin. Who's Peyton Manning? That was Peyton Manning. That was Peyton Manning. Tough beat for April. April, if you heard that clip, she just came out of her shoes going for Tom Brady when there's a giant picture of Peyton Manning, our, our boss here. As usual, Brady crashing the Peyton Manning party. That woman contestant, she, she tweeted later, I was just listening to the clue. I wasn't looking at the monitor that has the visual. Either way, she blew it. But more importantly, so I got to be on Jeopardy, and I've gotten to do some pretty cool things. That was awesome. Life memory. It's the kind of thing where the second it happens on live TV, your phone just starts vibrating. Bzz, bzz, bzz. And it's not like your friends or your contemporaries. It's, you know, it's, it's Aunt Patty. It's Aunt Susan. It's a mom. It's dad. It's that older generation. They love the Jeopardy. So interesting the way this works. So we did this in New York. We shot this weeks ago. Jeopardy sends a producer on a plane from Los Angeles to where you are just to shoot these little clues that take 10 seconds to read. So there's this woman, she's very into it and very prepared and very professional. And you just sit there and you read the clues. I think what was fascinating about it is that there is a Jeopardy cadence that they want you to hit. Yeah, you notice I wasn't up there. Hey, everybody, uh, this guy threw two touchdowns to Wes Welker. Like, I'm talking to you now. It is this very specific, and, and my clue was like, uh, this quarterback. And they're like, you really need to hit the this. And if you're a Jeopardy person, you know what I mean. And so I'm sitting there, I'm going... Da, 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 da. this quarterback, it's a little bit that like WNBC from the Howard Stern movie, 
And it's like, that doesn't even sound how I normally talk, but it's the way someone on Jeopardy talks. They have their own cadence, their own vernacular, really. And if the question says, if the clue, rather, says, um, it is the anniversary of, and you say, it's the anniversary of, no, 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 it is, it is, not it's. We have these people who write the clues who are very committed and very, very earnest about every single syllable piece of punctuation that they write. So all I had to do was sit there and read a teleprompter of Peyton Manning throwing touchdowns, but I had to do it a bunch of times and I was kind of nervous and stiff about it. So if I did the whole show like that, I would be like, welcome to Kyle Brandt's basement. On this show, we will talk about Patrick Mahomes and the lady that threw up in this stadium. That would be it. So that is a whole way of talking. They have this entire process that have been 39 seasons through. Generally, honored to be a part of it. It was so exciting, so great. And maybe someday I'll get to get my name called on uh, The Price is Right. Until then, we must start the show. Let's go to the Sky Cam. We do the same way every way with the free throw. Uh, I am told that we've done six shows. I am three for six means this is a big free throw. I either go above 50 or below 50%. Here we go, folks. Catch and shoot. Come on, KB. Ah, back iron. Damn it. I'm three for seven now. That absolutely sucks. But let's start the show. You know what? Bring it in. Stop delaying on the basket. Even though I missed it. God, that's, I, I wanted that one. Maybe I should start shooting jumpers or granny style. Uh, without further ado, here's what I love. Here's what I hate. And here's what is hilarious. That sucked. Uh, I love the Thursday night football matchup. It's Wednesday. We can talk about it already. Guys, it's week two, and they're just hitting us with Chiefs Chargers. And I'm going to talk about this more on the Thursday show tomorrow, but damn, we've had some rough Thursday nighters. Rough. I remember a stretch where it was the Jacksonville Jaguars were the Thursday night football house band. They were just there every Thursday in deplorable jerseys, deplorable teams, and almost always they were playing the Titans. It was just the set matchup. Jags-Titans on Thursday night. Not anymore. This is Chiefs-Chargers. I love that that's the matchup we're getting, and I love what we're getting very early in the season from Patrick Mahomes. Here's the story. There is a sort of a Game of Thrones-like deal going on in the AFC specifically where it is all these different houses and all these different lands, and they're out for bleeping blood for that throne of the best AFC young quarterback. And I still think it is Patrick Mahomes. Now, I understand Joe Burrow beat him last year and on and on and on. The, as far as the young guys go, he has accomplished the most, and I still think he has looked at as the standard. We know our guy, Josh Allen, every single Tuesday, we love him, and he may be the future, but he knows as much as the next guy he's got to score to settle with the Chiefs in the playoffs. And I think Mahomes knows this. Let's understand Patrick Mahomes' head right now. First of all, in that opening game against Arizona, they were this tomato can sparring partner that he just flicked with his middle finger like you would a, like a ladybug on the edge of your desk, whatever. Bang, gone. There was not a competition for two seconds. He could have thrown, and I'm not exaggerating, he could have thrown seven touchdowns in that game with the snap of his fingers. They called him off. And it was almost like there was a malice in the way he played. He was his usual happy self, but I detected a completely different body language, facial expression. He was out He was out for blood. And this was against the Cardinals, who, listen, there's no Chiefs-Cardinals rivalry. It wasn't like he had some major bone to pick. Cliff Kingsbury used to be his coach. They get along really well. If he had that for the Cardinals, 
How is he showing up Thursday night for the Chargers? Because Mahomes right now is fascinating. If you look at this 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 brief career that is now coming into he's now he's a veteran now. He's had very little personal adversity. The Chiefs have not won the Super Bowl every year, of course. They haven't gotten there. But let's just go through this. When he becomes a sensation in his second year, they get all the way to the title game and they lose to the Patriots. And what was the story of that? He was on the sideline when it happened. Played a rough first half in that game. Brilliant second half. And sure enough, he didn't get the opportunity at the end of the game. Not his fault that they lost that season. Next season, they win the whole thing. He's the toast of the town. He's Super Bowl MVP. After that, you get to the Super Bowl again. Now, remember the story of the, of the Chiefs losing. This is the Chiefs-Buccaneers Super Bowl. The Chiefs' offensive line was decimated. Mahomes was running around the entire game like a rodeo clown from a bull. And I think even in losing that game, he gained respect. And he gained his reputation because he was up against an unbeatable opponent and an unbeatable issue with his offensive line. That's when he's diving and throwing passes. Even in losing the Super Bowl, everyone's like, oh my God, Mahomes was the best player out there by far. So he's just cruising. There's never a thing where it's like, there's anybody other than him as the future. He runs the next decade and a half. It's just a matter of how many Super Bowls he's going to win. Then last year happens. Last year happens, and the record finally scratches at the end of the season. Bengals game, Chiefs game, all right? The Chiefs lose at Arrowhead to the Cincinnati Bengals, and at the end of the game, Mahomes cannot make a play. That was on him. The running around, getting sacked, the inability to get it in the end zone with the edit regulation. And then they start over time, and you think, oh, Mahomes is going to do it again. Bam, interception. Bad throw, bad everything. I think it is the first time in his career that that was on him. The Chiefs season was over. The Chiefs lost because he could not make a play. Not because of injuries, not because he wasn't on the field. I think that was Mahomes. That's how he entered the offseason. In the meantime, while that marinates, while you have to taste that humble pie for the first time as a professional ever, everybody is doing backflips, A, about Josh Allen, who's the future, Josh Allen, who you just beat in the playoffs again, and then B, Justin Herbert, who's also the future and is now going to take over your division because, man, this guy is six foot six and he can throw it through a brick wall and he's coming for you. This has been the Patrick Mahomes offseason. And he's got it. Hey, 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 who, what? Justin Herbert? Russell Wilson is coming to Denver, and now this is my division? I think there is a different Patrick Mahomes this year, psychologically, a little bit older. And for the first time, you know, it's, it's remember in 300 when, when Xerxes bleeds and Leonidas throws that spear at him, and Xerxes is just shook. And he's just, he's like, oh my God, I can bleed. And you think, oh, well, he's super humbled. Well, in about the next five seconds, Leonidas has 300 arrows in him, and it's just over. Mahomes is going to show up for this game. The Chargers, understand about the, the 2022 LA Chargers. They were built piece by piece to play Patrick Mahomes, to beat Patrick Mahomes. Everything about them, the pass rushers, Bosa, and they got more. We, get, we need more from Mahomes. We need Mack. Derwin James is drafted to play against Mahomes. Derwin James was extended because we need you to play against Mahomes. The quarterback, we need a weapon of mass destruction, a quarterback, or we have no shot. We cannot beat Patrick Mahomes with Tyrod Ty Taylor. We can't beat him with Phillip Rivers. It's just not going to happen. We're, maybe they did find him. I'm talking about for the next decade plus. We need a maniac at quarterback. This team was built to beat the Chiefs. And they're coming for his dinner. They're coming for the remote control in his house. They're going to set the thermostat. They're going to sleep in his bed. They're going to do everything. That's what the Chargers want. 
our division now. You had a great run, Patrick Mahomes. Now get the hell out of the way. I think he knows that. I think this is, in a way, personal and special. And I think he just went Dracaris on the Arizona Cardinals because they were a warm-up for the Chargers. Doesn't mean he's going to beat the Chargers. I think just Mahomes is going to be looking to snap next tomorrow night. We will talk about it more on the show tomorrow. But I'm already getting the goosebumps. Thankfully, we got an awesome Thursday nighter. And tomorrow we'll talk a little more about Justin Herbert. Right now, Mahomes... You better be ready. I mean, I I think this is a race to 40 points, and I love it. But what do I hate? Let's go. So, quick story. I mentioned this this morning, and I'll tell it again. As I get a little bit older, all I do is collect bizarre rituals. I'm a person of habit. I do stupid little things that make my day that, you know, on every Thursday morning, I have a blueberry yogurt. But the other days, I have vanilla. Just stupid, like old person stuff. Every Friday, I get on the way home from work, and I drive home from work on Friday, in the next town over to me that I drive through to get home, there is this quaint, cute little farmer's market. Very small. But by farmer's market, I mean there's a little patch of grass and these people come and set up tents and sell their cucumbers or their pies or there's a company that that sells spicy pickles. I like to buy them. It's a weird thing. And I drive home and eat the spicy pickles on my way home on Friday and let's start the weekend because I'm a maniac who lives in the suburbs. But I always catch, one thing always catches my eye at the farmer's market in the town next town to me, there's this guy, he's got a small business, God bless him, and he sets up his little table, his little card table, And he's got this machine on it. And his little trade that he's contributing to the farmer's market isn't pickles or fruit or pies or almond butter or whatever. He's doing knife sharpening. That's that's his product. People walk up and I see them. And they bring all their knives like from their their block in their kitchen. And they hand them to this dude and and he steps on the, 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 the pedal. I don't know how the hell the thing works. I picture it like like a sewing machine or something. And he sharpens them while you wait. So you hand him the little one, the long one, the you know the the, the butter and the bread knife, all that stuff. And he'll sharpen it. I'm like, that's kind of fast. Every week, I'm like, should I bring my knives? And I never. And part of me doesn't want to bring a bunch of knives in my car, so something strange. But my point is, he sharpens knives. I feel as if there is a large contingent of the media who is in line at the farmers market, farmers market, for knife sharpening guy. And you know why? Because they want to have those knives super, super razor sharp. Like you could, you could, you could split a hair right down the middle. You, you could circumcise a gnat for when Bill Belichick starts to lose and starts to fall and starts to fall apart. So they can just uh, knife him like the Night Stalker in Cobra. They want those knives with the spikes on the knuckles and that big knife that's got a reflection on it. They want a Rambo knife. They want a, a Crocodile Dundee knife. 80s, I could do a total, I could do a quick sidebar on knives in the 80s. I'm not going to. It was, it was, the knives were everywhere in every movie. It was extremely Freudian. It's just a whole thing. But my, back to the Patriots. They're ready. The Patriots are 0-1. And it's already, I have heard, before they even played the game, before they even lost to the Dolphins, Shady McCoy, who I enjoy and I've worked with a bunch, was on Fox, I think, saying that, um, that Bill Belichick, he's doing the take that Belichick was just a property of Brady, a, 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 a product of Brady. And that it's just Brady's held the whole thing up and Belichick's a fraud and all that stuff. Okay, I, I respect Shady having to take, then they lose. And now we played on yesterday, I think it was uh, Colin Coward says that a year from now, Robert Kraft is going to have Belichick put down to Florida and be like a special, uh, what was it, chorus consultant or something like that. 
people can't wait. These guys are even jumping it. There may come a time when Belichick completely falls apart and it becomes like this Bear Bryant situation on the sideline. It's just bad. And then go ahead, get your knives out. Already? You're already doing this. They're 0-1, guys. They were a playoff team last year. I hate this premature crucifixion of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. You know the last time that they were 0-2? The last time the Bill Belichick Patriots were 0-2 was in 2001. It was 21 years ago they were 0-2. And guess what happened that year? They still won the Super Bowl. They still did it. You, if you want to jump on them even at 0-2, go ahead. Because I'll tell you this, they're coming. Losing at Miami in week one, not that much of a shocker. Belichick's lost on Miami many times, including in ludicrous scenarios like Hail Mary laterals to Kenyon Drake as he runs by Rob Gronkowski, who's inexplicably playing safety. He's lost before. It's fine. It's not that much of a head-scratcher that he lost in Miami. Week one is also tough. If you lose in Pittsburgh, at Heinz Field or whatever the hell they call it now, that's a problem because you don't have a bad history against Pittsburgh at all. You, you have a great history against Pittsburgh as a coach. You have a great history in Heinz Field as a coach. You've won a lot of games there. And you're not just losing to Pittsburgh. You're losing to Pittsburgh without their best player, T.J. Watt. It looks like without their best running back, Najee Harris. And with Mr. Trubisky. All right? So... I think it is really premature and very dangerous to count them out, but they will. The Knives will become Knives Out. What's that sequel? Something called The Onion. Everybody's in it. I'm not sure what it's called, but they will be, they will be stabbing him big time. This is it. Julius Caesar to Bill Belichick because they've waited and they got all these takes and all these angles and all these hilarious lines in their draft folder. On this program, we will not do it. In fact, I would like to set a line right now. I will not say that the Patriots are screwed, done, dead, stabbed, carved, or whatever until they reach uh, 0-4. And that includes if they are 1-4, I will not do it. I was on that Brady is, is holding up Belichick thing. He was not a good coach in Cleveland. Brady shows up, he finds this miracle, has a winning Powerball ticket in his back pocket, he didn't even know, and he rides it for 20 years. Okay, that's fine. Until last year, they made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. A rookie quarterback who was not necessarily God's gift to quarterbacking. The idea that, that Brady is, a, is making Belichick is fun and tasty and spicy. It's also, I think, just nonsense. And anyone really plugged into the league since it's offensively stupid. If they get to 0-4 right here in the basement, we will go after them. And I will actually bring the knives. And I will go to Knife Sharpener Guy at the Farmer's Market. And we will plug him, do all that stuff properly. Until then, hasn't been 0-2 in 21 years and he still won the Super Bowl when he was. Just, I know you're eager. You want to see people fall and you want to tear him down. Just take a deep, hot breath and give Bill Belichick just a couple more weeks. I hate it if you're not. But what's hilarious, we're going to take a sharp left turn here. Let's go. Okay, so the Bengals lost. We know that crazy game against Pittsburgh that is a week one game that might go wire to wire as the most bat bleep insane game of the year they lost but then what's you know what's getting even more attention is it's not them losing it's one of their fans losing her lunch and just uh barfing ralphing puking all the names all over uh the seat in front of her this is your classic 2022 viral video. I remember a few weeks back, it was the guy at the baseball game who was making a straw out of a hot dog. That was delicious compared to this. Let, let's just get it in here. You've seen the video. Maybe you haven't. 
If you're really adverse to this type of stuff, fine. It's 2022. There's crazy videos out there. Let me see it. So here you got the girl, the lady on the right, the tattooed with the ponytail. Guy walks by and three, two, one, fire in the hole. Bam! Okay, we got one nice projectile. She leans her head back. She's going to straighten herself out. Another one, bam, with the full Dizzy Gillespie cheeks. Any bit more? Yep, yep, yep. One just all over the front of her. Okay, so there's a, we could do the whole show on this. I don't want to just gratuitously show someone throw up, but this is a bizarre, bizarre study in human behavior. Let me go right to where your eyes are going. And that, can you imagine how frustrating, how, what a bad uh, hand you got dealt, and what a, like a real deep down effort you need to pull out of yourself to go to an NFL football game with a bleeping neck brace? The woman slash young lady in front of puker lady is a hero in the sense that she's sitting there. It's already a tough day at, at the yard, at the stadium, in that you got a neck brace, you probably got in a car accident. Why do you probably have the neck brace? Because someone rear-ended you and you're sitting at a stoplight. And now you're getting rear-ended by vomit. Second time this girl's been rear-ended in a week. Maybe, maybe it happened the day before. But why does no one turn around or do anything? Clearly the shrapnel from the vomit is getting all over this girl in the neck brace. It is so strange. And let me point out girl, think something about the girl in the neck brace. She's got a Sam Hubbard jersey on. Sam Hubbard is a good, uh, you know, meat and potatoes player for the Bengals, but it's not like she's wearing a Chase jersey or a Burrow jersey. She's a big fan. She bought that Hubbard jersey. I think she even has a color-coded purse. I think it's like, I, see, I believe that's an orange purse strap that's just getting chunder all over it. Now, I understand why that lady doesn't turn around, because she's got the freaking Batman suit on, and you can't, you, you, she can't turn around, even as she's getting puked all over Tell me the story about orange t-shirt guy, who is clearly her companion. For all we know, her partner, her husband, I don't know the age of the girl, so maybe it's her father. This dude takes a look. Follow this with me. He hears something. He's like, what the hell is that? Oh, no, the girl behind him is just tossing cookies all over and does nothing. Who would ever do that? He's pretending it's, it, it's not happening, but listen to me. If you are at a ballpark or a hockey game or a, a football field and you're sitting there with someone that you know, you came to the game with, and you look back and someone's puking within a six-inch radius of your partner, are you not, oh, oh, Christ, oh, no, what are you doing? Oh, oh man, man, get out, get, and you pull him away. You know, it's like there, there's someone pulled a pin on a grenade. You get the hell out of there. At the worst, at, at, at the worst, you, you might go a different track. You might say, Oh my goodness, ma'am, are you okay? Or you maybe give her something, your popcorn bin or whatever to throw up into. Anything. That guy looks at it, doesn't even smirk or any, doesn't even register it. And then just turns right back around and starts talking about, well, yeah, we're going to have to get our act together here in the fourth quarter. The Steelers do. What the hell? Because look, maybe you've come across someone, you're downtown somewhere, and maybe there's someone who's having a bad day, a stranger's who's puking on the corner, or, you know, God forbid, it's a homeless person who's having a bad moment. Of course, you know, you kind of just go about your business and all that. But, like, that, that woman who's puking has an Apple Watch. She, she, someone who does that is, has, throws up all over that casually. And you know the most disgusting part of all of it? The woman who's puking is wearing flip-flops. She has no foot protection. No, no, no shoes, no boots, no nothing, and it's just splosh. And she doesn't make any attempt to hide it. She doesn't try to go in the aisle. She do, wouldn't you put your head down at least? 
this, this video gets stranger and stranger. Big deal, someone threw up at a football game. You throw up at a football game, it's a terrible moment, you try to hide it, your dignity kicks in, and the people in front of you are disgusted, they try to go away from it. Is this just her routine? Is this woman named Cheryl, does she throws up at every game and that's just Cheryl being Cheryl? It's unbelievably strange. I would like answers for this. I'm just going to throw this out here. If you're watching this in Cincinnati, and you know any of the three principles involved, neck brace lady slash girl, orange t-shirt poker face guy, or who I'm calling Cheryl with the flip-flops, the tattoos, and the high ponytail, just letting it go. Because by the way, in the hol- I-, I told you, I could do two hours on this. In the holster, in the cup holder, Cheryl's got a, uh, she's got a, a white claw. How many white claws do you need to hammer to throw up casually like it's no big deal? Now, I understand it starts early, it starts in the parking lot, all that type of stuff. And But I mean, it's a lot of white claws, right? Like that, it's if, if she had you know, a hip flask, or maybe it was that she went, like, you know, the Tito's or the bourbon before the game, but damn, like, that, that is, that is like a Jägermeister vomit, that is a, a mind eraser vomit, I, and I've done them all back in the day, so I, I cast no stones in terms of drinking to excess until you vomit, but pff, A, I'm gonna try not to get it on my feet, I'm certainly not gonna try to get it on the poor woman in front of me who's already dealing with a lot, I just cannot believe that video. I've seen probably 500 videos of people puking in stadiums. It's as if I have a fetish or something. I don't know. They're just out there. I deal in sports. I've never seen one like that. But it did beg the question. And we're still on what's hilarious. Believe me. I told you I could do a week's of show, a week of show on this, on this one lady vomiting. Um, we asked. Never mind disturbing or let alone violent. We don't want to get into that. What's the most disgusting or the grossest stadium experience you've ever had? There's not a crime going on. There's no one getting hurt. But we asked, and you answered. Brian, he says, my friend was raging drunk and threw up beer and dip on the back of a person in the Yankee Stadium bleachers. This guy simply took off his sweatshirt, walked away, and never came back. Brian, that is a great tweet. What really separated you from the others is that this was a a dip vomit in that he puked up the beer and with it came the skull mint or the Copenhagen or whatever it may be. And this guy said, eh, took off his sweatshirt. I would bet even money that he kept that sweatshirt too. Took it home. It's a good sweatshirt, man. He didn't toss it. He's got the dip and the vomit on the back, but this is getting really gross. But I asked for it. I have the stomach for this, guys. I don't know if you do. Next one. I know this is relatable. We've all been to stadium and seen some crazy stuff. Zach says, I watched a man at a Bills game consume an entire cigar. Zach, are you, are you saying he ate a cigar or he just smoked the entire thing? I, I would imagine it would have to be the first one that he just ate it. Good God. Th- this, we're, we're pushing it with the gross. I, like I said, I had the stomach for it, but now we're getting there. I, I'm going to wrap it up soon, but I'm also going to see. I, I, like to, I like to touch what's hot. Let's see how far we can go. John Colvin Going to the bathroom at the Ralph in Orchard Park. So it's another Bills fan. I saw a large gathering around a stall. Some guy... Oh my God, where is this going? I have not read these. I get these raw. Some guy was sitting on the toilet to go to number two and ended up... (laughs) And ended up puking in his pulled down pants. (laughs) I'm still curious what he did about this. I'm sure that Peyton and Eli Manning are really proud that the Omaha production shingle is talking about a guy who's sitting there on the throne and has to puke and doesn't into his pants. I think we should probably end on that one, right? I mean, 
Everybody can take a little potty humor sometimes, but the point is, uh, no, no, there's another one. If it's up, I have to read it. Blame the producer. Oh, no, it's down. It was something about, we didn't even want to get into it. (laughs) Why am I laughing? It's relatable. Please, I want to find one of those three principles. We'll have them in the basement. You know them. They're on social somewhere. Have them get in touch with me somehow and we'll do it. Uh, In the meantime, that was somewhat hilarious. Uh, We have takes on takes. Let's roll it. Lions, tigers, and tailgates. Oh, my. College football season is always the greatest time of the year. You put on a jersey, get your face painted, break out the foam finger, but it's all about the food. And nothing gets you more fired up for game day than Eckrich smoked sausage. They're naturally hardwood smoked and have the perfect blend of spices. From buffalo sausage dip to sausage chili mac and cheese, Eckrich smoked sausage is a quick way to bring flavor to all your tailgate meals. Visit Eckrich.com for easy, one-of-a-kind sausage recipes. Eckrich. You do you. Guy just took a sweatshirt right off, kept on going like it was no big thing. All right, so in all the zany props down here and basketballs and darts and all that kind of stuff and, you know, Kevin Bacon and Tremors, uh, we got numbers. We have numbers down here. I've got an eight. I got a seven. I got all the numbers. And um, I used to watch the dunk contest. I don't anymore, but they'd have these ex-NBA greats. I have a lot of memories of Matumbo doing it. And someone would do some cool dunk or some not-so-cool dunk, and then Matumbo would sit up and just, he'd raise up a seven. And it was all exciting when they raise a ten and that type of thing. We do that for takes here. I have takes on takes, and what we do is we pit two take makers against each other, and then I'll rate them so who gets the higher score. Here we go. Uh, after week one, this is a fertile ground, my friends. Fertile ground for strong, strong, strong takes. First up, a guy who's having them every day. A guy who's killing this game that you knew he would. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman on the Richard Sherman podcast. He's got some things to say. Uh-oh. I'm going to get my eight ready. Richard Sherman's got some things to say about Baker Mayfield. Let's hear him. We saw the Browns going up against your buddy, your boy, Baker Mayfield. Oh, guy's an absolute stud. He's going to give it to his old team, and holy Come cow, on, did he not. And did he Mitchell, not? He, I mean, gave, he gave it to him. He gave it to him. Oh, he gave yeah. it to him like he was getting paid by him. He's still getting right. his check from the Cleveland Browns, Mitchell, and it looked like it. It looked like he was playing for the Cleveland Browns. He kept him in that ball game. I respect the quarterback position has about 20 guys that can play the position better than he can play it. And some of them are backups in this league. (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) is a better quarterback than him, and he is not starting in this National Football League at this very moment. And what I'm telling you, Mitchell, is the Cleveland Browns couldn't have got a better gift for Christmas this year to calm their fan base down. Hey, y'all want to see why we did it? We're going to play against the guy we traded away that you guys are saying we shouldn't have traded away. And you see how bad he is? That was good. You know, the three categories, uh, delivery, creativity, and heat. Delivery was excellent from start to finish. Uh, Creativity was cool. I just haven't heard a lot of that take. My take is that Baker was really good down the stretch and got the the Panthers a win and was ready to win that game. And then the Browns had this, one of the X-Men as their kicker and made like a 300-yard field goal. And if he hadn't, Baker wins. But it was still good, and I really liked it, and I love that he says there's 20 guys better than Baker. Not all of them start. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Baker. 
I said eight. I think eight was a little rich. I'm going to give him a seven. I, I, immediately, I, he got points for making the, the theatrical face and the comedy of it. And you know what Richard's really good at in the take business case for sure? He's going in on somebody and he's he's taking apart Baker. But he doesn't do it with a, like an extreme malice. He's having a good time. He's, he's kind of laughing as he's doing it. And there's too much of that stone-faced, you suck, this guy's a loser type thing. I like that if you can be critical of somebody and still look at you're having a good time, which I really respect. It's very difficult to do. I am not able to do it sometimes myself. Seven. That is a seven because we've heard a lot of Baker Mayfield takes. I haven't heard that exact one with that exact same type of demeanor. So, Richard, I see you. A seven is a really good score, but we got some firepower. In this corner, Marcus Spears. Not his first time in this segment, not his last time in this segment, uh, on ESPN's Get Up, with an exclamation point, making a list of teams that are better than the Dallas Cowboys. Listen to this one. The Las Vegas Raiders, they went and got Devontae Adams and they signed Chandler Jones. Yep. The Saints signed Jarvis Landry. The Philadelphia Eagles signed A.J. Brown. The Rams went and got Allen Robinson this year, and we know all of the moves that they've made up, up prior to winning the Super Bowl, like going to get Matthew Stafford after they went to a Super Bowl with another quarterback. The Miami Dolphins got Tyreek Hill. The Bills went and got Von Miller. The, the Los Angeles Chargers signed Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson this summer and paid them money to come play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Julio Jones, and I don't care what you think about Julio injury history or whatever happened. Julio Jones went to Tampa and he looked like he in his second year in the NFL. What's up, Grimes? What's up? You know, no, so you what know, you we, had, we had graphics people. We could have put this all. In like a, <laughs> no, no, I don't want the graphics people. Uh-uh. I make my own damn graphics. Right. <laughs> I want the Dallas Cowboy fans to honestly think about this. Do you think your team and your front office is really trying to win a Super Bowl? Or do you think it's just talk and it's fool's gold and we're okay with what we have? We like our guys. No, you don't. You can't like your guys if you're trying to win a Super Bowl because I just ripped off a bunch of guys. And let me explain this to y'all also. I didn't put the Cincinnati Bengals on here who spent $180 million dollars on an offensive line this year okay so so for everybody out there that's thinking about oh the cowboys this and the fans and they gonna get mad at Stephen a when he take when, when he go in on the cowboys and michael Irvin gonna say something about the cowboys are one player away and they can sustain and it's doable <laughs> it ain't it's a wrap and it was a wrap before the season started because they wasn't winning no super bowl anyway be- so before that got hurt all right, all right, it, it, we, we have to wrap him. Dominic Foxworth was wrapping him. Everybody was wrapping him. This is a fascinating one, and I like Marcus Spears. Let me tell you what I just went through here. I had him at a four early on because I didn't want him reading off his notes, and I just thought it, it, he's, he's better than that. Another Cowboys take, you're reading off your notes. And then something crazy happened. Then he gets called out for having his notes, and he says, oh, we have graphics guy, and he flipped them and showed them, and they look like this little doodling that you would do on a napkin, and he said, I make my own damn graphics. That combined with, it's difficult to do it on remote, they keep going to these shots of his co-host that are kind of annoyed or puzzled, and he just plows right through it, and I really like that he is a former cowboy taking down the cowboys. He's a former cowboys first round pick. And you don't see that a lot. You have this obnoxious thing that we hate where if you played for this team, you always pick them in the pick segment. You always defend them. It becomes a caricature of yourself. And some people are very good at it. But I don't like that 
that happens as much as it does. Marcus Spears is not going there. I had him at a four, and I elevated him all the way to an eight. What sucks is I have to knock him down to a seven because he had he went on too long. He was feeling it, and I get it, and I've been there for sure. So it's either his fault or his teammates' fault because they were jumping in and actually saying rap him. And I get it. They got their thoughts too. But we, I wish it had a clean ending. If he had stuck the landing with a final line and had just, just that button they say, like in comedy, or they tag it perfectly, we were looking at an eight up from a four. And we were on a whole journey with that. Marcus Spears, you in in a seven, which I probably shouldn't do because one of my mentors, Michael Davies, says never have a tie. Screw it. I'm listening. I'm going to take him all the way down. Not all the way back to the four, but I'm going to a six. Marcus, I loved it. I don't think you got a lot of help uh, from your teammates. I loved your notes. I loved your graphic. You got to stick that landing. And I know it's hard. At the table, it's so much easier. But he'll be back. Richard Sherman wins this one. Seven to six. Tweet me if you think I'm wrong. And by the way, tweet the show if you see someone's take who should be on. Say it with me. Takes on takes. That is it. But next... Oh, man, now we got to get all personal. We've already talked about uh, takes and Mahomes and Belichick and vomiting. Now we got to talk about family. This is a little something that we call family confessional. Okay. You hear the pipe organ? You see the, the disgusting... Uh, Mr. Belvedere couch with the askew needlepoint in the frame. You listening to this is a good chance you're a family person, family man, family woman, and there's a not a chance, but a certainty that you've done some dumb stuff. Um, some embarrassing stuff, either to cover up for yourself or the decisions you make with your kids or your wife or your husband. And I want you to cleanse these things. We have a hotline. You see it there at the bottom of the screen. 2524 Brands. The number 2524 Brand. Through which you can call, tell us a little story, tell us what you've done, tell us your sin as a husband or wife or whatever it may be, or a son or daughter. We'll try to talk through it, okay? I've done a lot. I could do 50 family confessionals back and forth. Most recently, my wife and I are outside on a beautiful Saturday day. We're enjoying the, the weather before it gets cold here in New York. And our son, all of eight years old, walks out of the garage, down the driveway, into where we're standing, and he is just housing a white claw. He's got one open. It's a it's a raspberry. That's my wife's favorite. He's drinking this white claw like he's uh, John Belushi in Animal House. He's pounding it. And I I have a bar that's over that way. There's a freezer and a refrigerator in there. And so it's Daddy's little fun house. It's Daddy's little PlayStation. He went in there, got it out. He doesn't know. Opens it up. It's got a raspberry on it. It's cold. Thin little can. It's appealing to a child. He's just now learning about what soda is, and shocking, he loves it. So my wife, she freaks out. She goes, Calvin, Calvin, what, what are you doing? That has alcohol in it. And he goes, what, what's alcohol? And then so we had to grab it from him and everything. So that was on me. Um, the part that I, that, that I just have to acknowledge I made a mistake of is I let the white claw in a place where my eight-year-old could grab it. The part that I'm ashamed of, little, 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 little little flicker of pride of how he was handling that white claw. Just a little. I'm not saying I condone it. I'm not saying it want to happen again. The guy was pounding the thing. He's got, you know, he's got... He looked like he had, like, talent. Listen, I'm not saying that 
he was shotgunning it, but like if he had come up and asked me for a little key to open up a hole in the bottom of it, of course I would have said no, but like it wouldn't have surprised me. It, the, the, the kid was handling his business. So we'll see him in about 10 years. I mean, uh, no, uh, 13 years uh, for the next, see if that pays out. But I'm a little ashamed, or at least I'm saying that I am, that of the way he was, that I feel as proud that he's handling it. But more importantly, we got voicemails from you guys at 252-4-Brands, 252, the number four Brands, and apparently you have some things you would like to confess. So um, first up, I don't know the name, I don't know anything, we'll just go to it, and uh, I've not heard these, something about the show, I don't see the tweets, I don't see the contributions, I do them raw, I, I read them and hear them when you do. So let's go to the family confessional answering machine and see what the people are confessing. Go ahead. Here's a confession for you. Last year, to end the school weeks, I let my five-year-old come home. It's really just to piss off my wife, who's a teacher. Uh, celebrate the week ending with bad word Fridays. So he could scream his favorite curse word once a week at the end of the week on a Friday. Luckily, <laughs> preschool bad words were shut up, stupid, dumb, things like that. Okay. Um, did not greenlight the same holiday tradition starting off this school year, but Friday of the first week of school ends, my kindergartner comes to the huh? door with a similar cadence, drops a hard F-bomb. No one greenlit it. There was shame <laughs> all over all of our faces. The wife says, maybe this was a bad tradition from Jump Street. That's a great call. If, if you're looking to confess, listen to that call. It wasn't too long. It was colorful. It was original. That was perfect. And so is uh, Bad Word Friday. I love branding anything like that. <laughs> I, I'm cracking up alone at the idea of Bad Word Friday. And I don't think it's the worst idea. Those kids say that word, especially since he pointed out five years old is young, though. Damn, five is young. The bad words are shut up and stupid. Uh, in my house, we don't say the expression, so what? We had that one come out once, and so what? So if you can contain it to bad word Friday, and you come home and you're from, even though you're five, which is a little young, I probably would have pushed it off. Letting the five-year-old say shut up is like letting the nine-year-old have a phone. It, it's a little young. But uh, the problem is with the shut up and the so what's and all that is that, sure, they feel a little benign. Those are gateway words. Um, Shut up goes quickly to a similar expression that inserts an extra word that starts with F and it just really punches it up, so to speak. So we wouldn't do Bad Word Friday here. Listen, there's a lot of, th there's a lot of fun things you can do on Friday, man. Hey, have it be Ice Cream Friday. Have it be Pizza Friday. Have it be Screen Time Friday. I probably wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, I, I started out liking it just because Bad Word Friday cracks me up. I would probably try to cut out on that, and I think your wife was right. I like how she said it. Bad idea from Jump Street. It's not like screen time. You don't have to give it to them to get through to you. You don't have to let your kids say the word crap. Maybe just discourage it and end the bad word Friday tradition and end a you know, good time Friday or something. Give them something else. Sugar Friday. Uh, next call. That was a tough act to follow. Uh, I wish I knew the gentleman's name, but uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, tell me the next call. I can't wait. What do we got? Hey, Kyle, Scott from uh, Buffalo. Uh, I had a recent recent slip-up myself, pal. Uh, my daughter was helping my wife bring up the laundry from the basement, 
And she happened to look over and grabbed uh, something off of a shelf and said, wow, Mom, where'd you get this pineapple? That'd be my silicone pineapple bong that I keep down there in the basement that I hadn't even used yet. Yes, a silicone pineapple bong. Sorry, SpongeBob, what are you going to do? Later. All right, Scott, thank you. And again, this is a judgment-free zone. I didn't go too hard on Bad Word Friday. It, it, sometimes you got to have a pineapple bong, I guess. I mean, of all, I, that's not my subculture. I don't do that or own that stuff. But of course, I have friends and stuff who do. I never seen them. I, I passed the head shops and stuff, and I, there's always one with like a skull, and all. I've never seen the pineapple one. Um, it's tricky too with that because carrying the grocery time is is a dicey time in the family dynamic. It's it's kind of similar to um, can you carry up this huge volcano of laundry time? Or in our case, our our laundry machines like our washing machine and dryers like right over there. It's in the basement. And so, like, it's a long way from the kids' bedroom. So when we, when we, and me that help my wife take down the laundry, it's like it, it's it's dicey. It, it's like I need you to help me. This is this is too heavy for me. There's stuff falling all around in the stairs. It's sort of brothers or sisters with the carry the groceries in. Let's say your wife does did a, a, a grocery run, or even heaven forbid a Costco run, because then you gotta have you gotta be you know Lou Ferrigno to carry in the, the flats of water. It's stressful. She pulls in, she's exasperated, she's tired. Uh, that is one of those critical junctures in a marriage. From the time that she pulls in and yells up the stairs or through the house, can you help me with the groceries? Sensitive. Sensitive. You got, get, get your ass down there. Don't bring your phone. Go. Whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're watching a movie or getting a workout or on the toilet or whatever, you're done. Get, get there quickly because she just had this long, arduous experience at the market or the Costco or anything. She's already frazzled. It's possibly the end of the week, or maybe it's even worse, it's Sunday and everyone's stressed about Monday. And then you go down there and you gotta just be, you gotta be a hero. You, you try to do it in one trip, you know, you, you have them all and then you do the little like leg kick to close the door and you're a total badass. In that juncture, if your daughter would find your device for smoking marijuana, Particularly, I don't know, I'm getting vibes from you, Scott, that maybe your wife isn't the biggest fan of the pineapple bong. I don't know. She, she allows you to have it, so at least she's no... But she, it's probably not the favorite thing you own, I would imagine, right? So I would probably put that away, like I should put it away by white claws. But more importantly, you got to keep your eyes open for what the kids, the family, the dog, the neighbors, or everything are doing in grocery unloading time. Because the wife is, is, is up at a nine... Like the stress level is there and she's ready to explode. And whatever you do, don't just set those groceries down on that counter and just start eating out of the bag, which you probably want to do because you just used the pineapple bong because you was at the grocery store and you used that. And so you want to just start eating the grapes or, you know, open the deli. Don't do that. You got to just, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. Okay. That's a very good question. I don't want anything to go wrong in the grocery unloading time. Sensitive. Sensitive, sensitive time, as I said. But that, that that's it. I mean, we could keep doing this all day because you guys send so many good calls. If you're watching this or listening to this, call 2524-BRANT, the number four in my last name, B-R-A-N-D-T. It's right there at the bottom of the screen. Two good calls. We had uh, Bad Word Friday and Pineapple Bong Guy during grocery unloading. Excellent, excellent calls. I hope I helped it all. It's all hands on deck for those types of situations, guys. Uh, but I love you. We'll do this again next week. It's a safe place here. No judging, no nothing. Just help. Just purge, breathe in, get it out. But until then, um, I think we have to end the show already. I'm having a great time today. I could keep talking about pineapple bongs and vomiting Bengals fans, but we do this the same way. 
Let's go to the Skycam. We go right up there. We have our very own Skycam up there. And it shows you the lay of the land. I got some weights here, the Peloton, the Pearl Jam, the, the basketball hoop, and the dartboard. And what we do is we have a list of 20 different random topics. I don't even know what's on the list for the most part. I certainly don't know what I'm about to talk about. I throw a dart, whatever number it, hands, it lands on. I have to talk about the corresponding topic, and that is how we end the show. So here we go. I'm gonna throw it from right here so you can see my giant seven and seven eighths head on camera, and the number is, oh man, that was a dime. All right, that is a 14, friends. That is a 14 to the Kyle Brandt's basement staff. Second page. Oh, this is cute. You want to hear my engagement story? Do you just want to throw up? Do you care? I'll do it anyway. Um, so my uh, my engagement story, my wife and I would going out for uh, almost two years. No, maybe like a year and a half. We lived in Southern California at the time. And... Um, she knew it was coming, and, and, and I wanted it to, to happen, and she wanted it to happen, and, you know, I don't have any, like, snarky punchline here, but the fact is, is that when you have your wife or your husband, whatever it may be, you get into all these little idiosyncrasies and small little, small little things that you do that just become your stuff, and one of the things that my wife and I had, and we still have to this day, is we like playing rock, paper, scissor. It sounds ridiculous, but um, if we're stuck in traffic, like in standstill gridlock, I'll just reach over with my fist and say, best out of three. And we just do it to amuse ourselves. If we're in an amusement park and we're in a long line or in a waiting room and we're bored, we'll do it all the time. So that was our thing from the get-go, or from Jump Street, as our family confessional caller said. So I had this idea where we're going to go on a walk, which we did. We lived in these, by these cool like, foothills in Southern California. We went on a walk, which is something common that we would do. And I had the ring in my pocket, and I had this idea, and... We're sitting up there at the top of this hill, just looking around, kind of bored or whatever. And so I said, I held the fist up and I said, best of three, which is again, a very common thing. She knew immediately what I went, what I meant. And so we say, you know, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And I held out my hand and in my hand was the engagement ring. She was very surprised. Not, she knew I was coming, but she didn't know I was gonna use rock, paper, scissor, which sounds corny, but I don't give a damn. And the joke is, of course, that I threw rock and I definitely won, and that was 2009, so 13 years ago. That's my story. There was no Instagram. There was no photographer on site. I didn't have a string trio. I didn't tap a glass and do it at a restaurant. Top of the hills, uh, rock, paper, scissor, and that was it. The question is, back to football, who will be getting a ring in the NFL this year? Who the hell knows? It's way too early. But Chargers, Chiefs, Thursday night. Who knows? Could be a spicy AFC title game preview. We have no idea. We'll talk a ton about that in the basement tomorrow. In the meantime, thank you for the family confessional. Thank you for all the submissions. Thank you for watching. Subscribe, like, all that stuff. Share with your friends. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow in the basement.